This is a Lawful Stupid RPG production. Hail and well met, and welcome to Dragonlance Echoes of Kryn, Dragons of the Hidden Flood, a D&D podcast presented by Lawful Stupid RPG. This podcast is an actual game of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, played by a group of friends, professional performers, and voice actors with a passion for role-playing, improvisational storytelling, and dice rolling. We'll begin in just a moment, but first, our players. Hello, I'm Jade, and I'm one of the founders of Lawful Stupid RPG. I've been a huge Dragonlance fan since the beginning, and producing this podcast has been a dream come true for me. I will be playing the dwarf of the party named Farin, and I hope the stories we tell sparkle in your hearts like the brightest gems Ryok's ever dreamed of. I am Panda. I am a Twitch streamer who goes by the username Cirque Panda, And I'm playing Tealy Tumblewood, your resident kender who will try only a little bit not to annoy you. Howdy, my name is Samus. I am a professional opera singer and I am playing the mysterious and slightly grumpy one-armed archer who calls himself Onweir. Hello, I am Chael, and I am not an opera singer. And I will be playing Blip with her awesome animal companion, Dinner, the amazing barbarian duo. Greetings, I'm Chops. I'm a Vegas showman as well as a ghost hunter. And I'll be playing Lassa, a half-elven wizard who will prove his worth to the world. Hello, I am Lindsay Rousseau. I am a voice actor and host of the rollout on YouTube. And I am playing Manto Bubulina, who has a dark secret that only my best friend Blip knows. And I'm Mr. Eager DM. I'm here to guide and to follow. Now, I invite you all to step with me into fantasy. And for our time together, let imagination rule. Last time, after reviving a fallen comrade and taking a moment to catch their breaths, the adventurers fought their way through another group of assassins, only to be confronted by a fearsome-looking man who was not what he seemed. As he was about to cast a spell, the burning theater crashed down upon them all, revealing a deep cavern into which they plummeted. Baron, you feel pain. All you can see is darkness, and there's distant shouting as you reel in confusion. There's a dizzying sensation of falling. You're plummeting, plummeting down, or up, maybe sideways. Or are you standing still? You're not clear, you're confused, but after a moment, your eyesight begins to return. And as you gaze out on a wide open vista, you can see that you are standing on the sides of a rocky hill. Turning, putting the hill to your back and looking out to see what the surrounding area could be, you see nothing but blackness. Gazing up, you see a wide array of stars 
and familiar constellations. What do you do? I would assume I'm dead at this point. <laughs> are my eyes open? They are. At least you assume they are. You are seeing things. Whether it's because your eyes are open or because they're just simply in your mind, it's difficult for you to determine. I I rub up my eyes to clear any haziness that may be affecting my sight and try to look around, see if, uh, see if there's any shapes that I would recognize. Make a perception check. That would be a nine total. As you stand on the side of the stone, you stomp your feet on it and you look out. The stone certainly seems real enough. You can't make out any details of the surrounding countryside, but looking up into the night sky, the constellations are familiar, but there's something strange. You can't quite put your finger on it at the moment. You do see the constellations of Paladine and Tachysis and Gillian as well as the rest of the well-known constellations spread out above you. And as you stand gazing, you hear a sound as if something large is exhaling. But as it does, there is a bright light that seems to illuminate from the top of this hill. And as it does, the light shines over the entire roof of this cavern that you are in. The stars are not stars, they are gems, very specifically placed, affixed into the roof of this cavern. As the light fades, the vista goes back to appearing like the night sky. I look around and look up once more and acknowledge the beauty that has been crafted into the ceiling and wish I could see it again. The light that I saw, is there any idea of what it was? Was it natural or was it like a... The sound did sound familiar, this exhalation sound and then a bright light accompanying it. It sounded familiar, but with your nine, you haven't quite figured it out. But it did come from the top of the hill, that you are sure of. Hello? Taylor, are you there? Fumble around on the floor and try to feel if there's any bodies. You are able to look down, you see your feet, you're standing on rock. The rocky side of this hill it appears to be a normal rock as far as you can tell. But you don't see signs of any of the people you were most recently with. I head up to the hill, see if I can get a look of what the light's coming from. So you begin to climb hand over hand, coming up to the top of this hill. As you crest the top of it, you come face to face with a large beaked creature that looks at you and moves its head from side to side. Looking down, you see a large paw that comes forward and stops inches from your face. As this beak creature looks down, it is at least four times your size, beak coming right close to your face. And then another paw comes forward until a paw is on either side of you as you climb the top of this hill has golden eyes and it looks at you penetratingly. Have I got any idea what this creature is? You've never seen one, but being a cleric of Shinari, you know that this is a griffin. Easy there, boy. Place my hands out. <coughs> Moves back and forth, snaps at you with its beak. 
and then comes in and you see it cock its head and get its eye right close to your face as it takes a very long look at you. I keep extremely still, knowing how dangerous these creatures may be. Snaps and clicks its beak again and then backs away, goes back up onto its haunches, sits there gazing out into the darkness from whence you've come. The way is clear for you to proceed. Up ahead, you can see once again a bright light accompanied with a sound. Now that you can see the source of the light as it occurs, you recognize this as being a foundry. Is it a foundry I recognize? No, you've never in your life been in a place that has a hill of stone atop which is a foundry, which is inside a cavern that has gems in the ceiling. This is a unique experience. You've never seen this before, but there appears to be somebody manning it. From this distance, all you see is platinum blonde hair in ringlets and silver chain shirt on a muscled frame. Immediately slap my face thinking I may be dreaming or unconscious or realizing that it may hurt a little. I proceed forward. How hard do you hit yourself? Full, full force. <laughs> full force. All right, take a hit point of damage as you just wham hit yourself in the face. It hurts. Ah, what did I do that for? You experience that moment of clarity that pain brings and you look back and everything seems exactly as it was before you hit yourself. Looking at this, it appears completely real. Where the hell am I? I'll head towards the silver-haired figure. As you approach, you can see several large stone molds sitting around the main area of the foundry. You can see the bellows that are used to make the forge red hot. Sitting inside the forge is a large stone crucible, and this individual with the long ringlets of hair is working the bellows, creating the gust of wind, which then makes the light of the forge glow and sends light up into the cavern. As you approach, you can tell that this person is a dwarf, and the ringlets of platinum blonde hair match the ringlets of their beard and this chain shirt that they're wearing reflects light so brightly it must be made of silver. I fumble my beard clumsily. Uh, excuse, excuse me, sir. Uh, where am I? The individual stops working the bellows, pauses for a moment, their back to you, and then turns. You can see the face of a dwarf, this long ringleted beard, wise eyes, looks at you and raises an eyebrow and says, Strong links make a stable chain, Baron. Will you help me? Oh, uh, how did you know my name? Am I dead? Maybe. Well, that was short-lived. I'll happily help you, sir. As you approach, you can see that some of these stone molds have clearly been used. There's little sparkly bits of metal sticking up from the top where the molten metal has been poured in and left to set. As this individual works the bellows again, another blast of light and heat now emanates from off of this hilltop. 
The individual nods in satisfaction and reaches for a pole that has prongs on the end of it, which he attaches to the crucible, sort of works like a hinge, and with a large effort, lifts it out of the fire and moves it over towards one of the stone molds. He nods at another pole, and you can see that it's meant to hook onto the bottom of the crucible so that it can be pulled and tipped. One person holding the crucible steady, the other person slowly tipping it so that the molten metal falls into the mold. And he nods at that. I instantly go to grab it. Right? Individual continues holding the crucible, and you very steadily try to tip it. I would like you to make a roll for this. I think this is going to be a strength check. Unless you can think of something that would be more appropriate for this. Uh, no, I think a strength would be okay. All right, go ahead and roll. Oh, 11 total. You begin to pull, and as you do, you realize just how heavy this crucible is. And you marvel at this dwarf's strength that he's able to hold it aloft. You're barely able to move it. As you pull on it, you hear a familiar voice. It's that of your wife. Varen, put your back into it. And you look and see that this dwarven male has gone from bearded, obviously masculine, to more feminine, with eyes that you recognize. I instantly smile at her, a big, broad grin. Of course, my dear. I will try even harder. Roll with advantage this time. That's a 12 side, I don't want to roll that. Oh my god. <laughs> I rolled double three. <laughs> oh dear. So you strain and strain, but you're unable to pour, and eventually... There's a sigh. This female dwarf now puts aside the crucible and looks at you with her hands folded and looks at you very intently. Remember what I said. Strong links make a stable chain. This metal and other things are too brittle at the moment, too weak, she says with a wry smile. We'll need to refine the metal, Farron. Drive out some of the impurities. Then this link will be ready to take its proper place and endure with strength. Here I, this old body's a bit tired. I go down to reach for my holy symbol. And if, if it's there or not, I don't know. It is not there. And then you look and see that it is in Sathira's hand. She holds it out to you, very similarly to the way she did long ago. I smile lovingly at her. Take it. Place it around my neck. Thank you, my love. I whisper, Open your mind to the wisdom of the winged one, and he shall grant your strength. And I cast guidance on myself. And try again. She lifts up the crucible one more time and looks at you expectantly. <laughs> Is it with advantage again? No, it's not. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well, that's much better. I rolled a 16 plus 3 plus another 3. 22. In that case, you are able to pour the metal. But even as it pours, you can tell that it is, as she said, not the purest silver that you've ever seen. 
and she sighs and nods. We can make it so much stronger, and then it can join Thorbadon and Palanthus and Haven. We must make the chain strong. Well, let's do it then. She leans in as if to whisper, comes very close to your ear, and you hear... As pain returns to you, the vision fades, and you gaze up into the porcine eyes of a pig that is covered with something blue as it is nuzzling your face and nibbling on your beard. I love it when you talk dirty to me. (laughs) (laughs) I I can resist. That's a different podcast. (laughs) The night is young. As she leans in, I go to kiss her and eventually open my eyes and see this pig. And my eyes open in horror. What the hell is this? And I slap it away. As it runs away. And Blip, you hear the sounds of dinner squealing as you come back to consciousness. All of you come back to consciousness. One by one, finding yourself strewn about a large ravine or pit. It's difficult to say in the darkness. There is rock everywhere, but also debris from whatever calamity befell above you. There's large pieces of canvas, destroyed boxes. You see the glint of metal here and there as, well, actually, come to think of it, those of you who don't have dark vision see nothing at all. It is pitch black. Those of you who do have dark vision see there are a few things that could possibly be metallic. You look around and see some other people down here along with you. What do you do? Uh, I know what I'm doing immediately. I begin calling out, uh, Jarvan, Jarvan, and searching the area around me. As we were falling, I did my best to grab a hold of him, but in all the confusion, I'm not sure that I managed to grab him. All right, make a perception or an investigation check. That will be 19 on perception. Jarvan is close by. You see he is lying next to an armored form, which you assume to be Tullian Haxos, who fell with you. I will uh, head down to Jarvan and begin checking through my packs for various ointments and checking to see if he's still breathing. Is he is he alive? He is alive. He is breathing. You look and see that he's lying in a patch of fungus, perhaps? Mushrooms, large-capped mushrooms. They seem to have broken his fall. Do I by chance recognize these mushrooms? You may make a nature check. While you are doing that, I will say that everybody, if you were in the process of waking and coming to the sound of Lhasa shouting Jarvan's name, echoes throughout this chamber, whatever it is, and you begin to realize that you are not dead and that your situation is not quite as dire as you might have thought, but still something to be worried about. Having no dark vision at all, I shoot upright and just scream out, No, no, I can't be dead. I can't be dead. Then I'll lose a bet to my cousin Toby. (sighs) And I start patting myself down, checking all my pockets to make sure I still have my possessions. And once I finally feel something, I'm like, yes, yes, 
Thank the gods! Thank the gods! Lhasa. Lhasa, I can't see. Can you create light? Forgive me, Anwar. I cannot... Uh, I never took the time to learn it. The, the, my people can see in the dark. It's I... all right. It's all right. And I will... I uh, no, I don't have a... Uh, oh, yeah, I have no equipment with me, so there is no torch. There is nothing to be... Uh, <laughs> there's nothing to be done, is there? <laughs> I would say that it's likely you still have a tinderbox with you. Oh, oh that's... Okay, I'll light it. It's something easily carried with you, and uh, perhaps you've gotten so used to keeping it with you, with your past being what it was, that uh, you would have not left home without it. Then I will light it immediately. Very good. Lhasa, what was that nature check? For nature, we're going to have a 22. Well, it's difficult to say, given that you can't really see the color of these mushrooms. Uh, your dark vision only allows you to see in grayscale, but there's a very pungent odor, smell of rotting fruit, which could be several mushrooms, but judging by the size, you would say that this is indigo milk caps. Uh, well, just to be certain, I'll uh, first remove Jarvan from this pile of uh, mushrooms, and please, please wake up, my lord, please. And, uh, give him a delicate shake. <sighs> Tulian? What happened? Why is it dark? Do not worry, my lord. This is uh, Lhasa, and, and your guard is, is very nearby. We, we've fallen, but it seems we're safe. Lhasa, the, the elf. Yes, yes. Wh where are we? Uh, I am not certain, my lord. I believe we've fallen great distance, but we will be safe. You are safe. We will get a light momentarily. I'm sure of it. Alright. How are we health-wise? As you take stock, Farron, you feel pain, but it's not I'm about to die pain. You put your hand where your wound was and feel that it has closed. You've experienced your own magical healing in the past, and the only explanation you can have at this point is that somehow you managed to heal yourself during the time that you are unconscious. But in game terms, you've all been unconscious for a very long time. Please take a long rest. Okay, gotcha. Oh, that's convenient. All of us? All of you. As I light my tinderbox, what is it that I see, DM? You create the spark and it shines on the rocks and this narrow crevice. You can see other figures, some higher up on the crevice and some further down. As you light the tinderbox, you can hear the sound of people moving and groaning and adjusting as they try to extract themselves from whatever bits of debris and detritus that you have brought down with you in this fall. In the meager glow of your tinderbox, you see that there are ample pieces of wood and canvas and things that could potentially be used to create a torch. I will create one, and my first action will be to look at everyone around me and make sure they look all right. As you light this torch, all of you can now see all around you quite well. 
This crevice is long and roughly diamond-shaped in terms of how it is structured. The top of it is narrow. It opens to a larger spot in the middle where you all happen to be at the moment and then tapers again to a narrow area further down. The entire length of it encompasses about 40 feet and you are all various levels of it, either looking up or down at each other. Some of you are caught up in bits and pieces of the debris of the theatro spires that came down. And as I said before, the bits of canvas, broken furniture, you see one or two things that could be elements of set pieces or parts of a show. And then there are other people who have fallen on these rocks, which would surely have killed them if they were not absolutely covered with these enormous blue mushrooms. Blip. Dinner comes shuffling over to you and begins to nuzzle you, and as he does, he gets blue goop all over your face as these mushrooms, as he trods on them, they release a, a milky blue substance that is coating his feet and his face, and now you. <laughs> of course. I immediately jump up and throw both of my arms around him and squeeze his scratchy, hairy neck. Dinner! I'm so glad you're back. I was so worried. And I keep stroking him and petting him, and I give him a big old kiss right on the nose. <laughs> what? What you? What you in? And I poke at the blue ink on his nose and pull some back and taste it. It doesn't taste bad. It tastes like very, very overripe fruit. Hmm. Not bad. We cook later. And I'll scoop up a handful and cram it into my pocket. A handful of mushrooms or a handful of mushroom goop? Handful of mushroom goop. Okay. <laughs> Off of dinner. <laughs> right. Oh, no. By way of pig. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> It'll be bacon flavored, hopefully. Did anyone see where that pig went? <laughs> we'll have to have it for dinner later. What? Oh, there it is. You've caught it. You, you, you know. I stand immediately in front of dinner and I hold out my fist threateningly. But you can see my knees sort of quiver as I guard him. Oh, you can't eat the whole thing to yourself. I will stand up next to my dear friend Blip and pull out my sword. I'm sorry, friend Dwarf, but there is a misunderstanding. This is not for food. This is a pet. Oh, excuse me. I, I, I don't want to interrupt, but can, 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 we, can we not uh, kill each other? We need to get Prince Jar Jarvan out of here. And uh, quite frankly, I, I, I would like to remove us from down here, wherever this is. Rest easy, Lhasa. I think the threat has passed for the moment. Uh, is it being threatening? You, you know, dinner mine, he friend, not yours, mine. Why does that explain so much? Oh, mushrooms. I will go over and check the mushrooms out and pick some, if, if I know they're edible. They are large and blue. Have I seen this type before, being from underground? Uh, you've been making nature check. Why don't I take nature? I've got survival. Uh, I rolled a seven, so that's six. 
They don't seem to be bothering the gully dwarf or the pig. That doesn't really help, does it? Don't worry, uh, Lassa, was it? Yes, that, that's right. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you, you were the um, performer, yes? Yes. What was it? Uh, tassel uh, uh, something. I played Tasselhead. Yes. But I am Teely Tumblewood, and I bow curtsying with my skirt flared out to the sides. And uh, you're, you're, you're uh, really one of the, the, the kinder then, really. <laughs> That's me. Well then, um, you, you, you think you could um, talk to your, your friend with, with the sword there and uh, I just, I, 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 I don't th think we need to threaten each other with blades at the moment. I, I, I don't think. It's okay, Lassa. Everything will be fine. I reach up and pat probably his lower arm. Mantle? Do you think we could put the sword away just just for a just for a little bit? Ah, yes. As long as Master Dwarf here promises not to eat my friend's friend, we have no problem. Well, I didn't know it was your friend. But um Tealy, you seem to have just picked something up. <laughs> I'll give her a wink. Give the boy his component pouch back, will you? He may need that. I wasn't aware this was yours, Lassa. I'm so sorry. <laughs> He must have dropped here, obviously. Hearing Farron speak of the pouch, I, I start to pat about myself. Um, yes, I have misplaced my components. I, uh, as I look about in great deal of uh, stress through the mushrooms. Um, Lassa, it's just fine. I found it. See? And I present this component pouch. Oh, thank you. I, I... Frankly, don't know how I lost it. I uh, oh. <laughs> oh, it must have fallen when I tapped your arm. <laughs> yes, perhaps that's unwear. Uh, unwear. Uh, 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 perhaps you could help uh, Lord Jarvin down. I really, really feel we should be away from here. I, I this this can't. I will hand my torch to you, Lassa, and with my one arm, I will offer it to the prince and help the prince off of the ledge that he has found himself on. He takes your hand carefully, recognizing you from dinner, and climbs down, then stops and looks back to Tulian, who groans a bit for pushing himself upright. The entire front of his face and body is just covered with blue goop. He looks down, knocks some of it off, and looks around wildly. His eyes settle on Jarvan and then quickly assess the group, seeing all of you and checking for threats. How does Jarvan appear? Is he nervous? Is he concerned? Is he, What does he look like? He looks shaken, a little confused. Make an insight check. Okay. 26. Either through the optimism of youth or not really being aware enough to understand the situation that he's in or what has just happened, he doesn't seem to be frightened yet. He is 14, but he is reverting to, I'm sure the grown-ups will be able to figure this out sort of mentality. I will squat just a tiny bit so we are eye to eye, and I will put a hand on his shoulder. You were very brave up there, Prince Jarman. <sighs> 
I'm afraid you will need to continue to be brave for a little while longer. Um, you were, uh, Anwir from Palantis, right? That's correct. Tuliad sits up and looks down. Well, it's nice to see some familiar faces. And all of you, I must thank you on behalf of the Imperial Guard and I'm sure his Imperial Majesty, Redick V. Thank you for your aid, although I would not call us safe at the moment. There do not seem to be any of those assassins nearby, but perhaps we could take a moment to make sure that is the case. I would have probably done that as soon as I lit my torch. Did I see anything that would have been concerning, DM? With that perception check from earlier, you did not. I believe we are all right for the time being, Tulian. We fell from beneath the theater. Do you recognize where we are? He looks around. Well, no, but to be fair, any pit of stone probably looks similar to any other. Perhaps there is a way out? Have we determined that? How old crin did we get down here? The last I remember was a solid floor. I believe the theater had fallen apart because of the fire. The floor cracked in half. I think we fell a significant distance, Farron. Oh, yeah, that's it. We saw a guy in a uh, dragon costume. It was really well made, actually. Point of order, you would not have seen that. The only person who recognized that as being anything other than a human in armor would have been Anwir. I thought I thought it looked like a costume. No, the illusion was that of a man wearing armor. Oh, my mistake. Sorry. And Anwir was able to see through that to see that it was a Bozak Draconian. My mistake. Sorry. It's all right. Rewind. Oh, okay. So for my own point of clarity then, when I saw that it was an illusion, that didn't mean that the Draconian himself was a projected illusion. It was just an image over the Draconian that was there. Correct. Absolutely. That is exactly what it was. I see. Oh, that's very different from what I understood. Okay, that's good to know. I will take a glance around and see if there looks like a clear path out of our current surroundings. Make a perception or investigation check. While he is doing that, is anybody else doing anything? I am walking around, exploring my surroundings and pulling up a few mushrooms and putting them into my pocket for later. All right. Everywhere you walk, you carry with you a cloud of stench. Although, objectively speaking, it's not nearly as bad as it's been as you did run around in the rain for a while before coming down here. Manto. Yes, so I am also looking around where we are, but also keeping an eye on our new compatriots, who I'm not quite sure if I fully trust yet, because some of them seem to be of the wealthier classes. So I'm definitely a little hesitant towards them. Less so towards Tealy, just because we've had some opportunities to talk previously, and I having a gully dwarf as a best friend have no problem with Kenders. You, of course, are aware of the, the laws in Gwynedd. And oh, yes. You have not seen very many Kender because of them, but uh, it's a personal choice you have made. She was nice to me. Yes, many of the laws in Gwynedd you don't agree with, so... This is very accurate. Why agree with this one? <laughs> yeah. so. And now, uh, Farron. I look down to my half-naked body. Elf, as much as I hate magic, could you 
wizard me up some cloves. Uh, well, um, perhaps if I was uh, given time to... Uh, Anything will do. Well, if I was given time to prepare such things, I, I could, but <clears throat> as it stands now, no. Ugh. Here, Farron. I will take off my cloak and will detach it from the leather armors that I have, and I will, with my free arm, wrap it around your shoulders. The missing arm that I have is now very clearly exposed. I study you calmly and give you a warm smile. Thank you, good sir. I'll put it round me. I will walk up to the large warrior. You handled the prop weapon with mastery. You are no actor, are you? No. It was something that I was required to do in order to secure the safety of myself and my friend. I don't believe I know your name yet. Uh, you may call me Manto. I am a lowly gladiator fighter. I saw you with that sword. There is nothing lowly about your skills. Thank you. I appreciate that. If only those who have more power thought similarly, I could move up in my station in life. <laughs> I will give a small nod to that, and I will continue to look for the path. All right, what did you roll on your check there? I rolled a 15 on my perception. A glance around with the torch, you become aware of several things. First of all, there's a great deal of stuff around you, and some of it might actually be useful. Scattered about, you see three short swords. These are very reminiscent of the weapons that the assassins were using. Difficult to know for sure, but they're not prop weapons. They are deadly blades with sharp edges. There are several large and ornate costume pieces, which are designed to be very impressive, overly ostentatious plate mail or half plate mail, representing who knows what. But at some point during the fall, there was water that got on them, and you can see that some of the plaster has worn away, and underneath there are actual suits of armor upon which these things were constructed. You see numerous pieces of wood around that look like they could be used for clubs of big and small size, and you find a short bow and a quiver with 12 arrows in it. There's also a body, one of the assassins. I will immediately go to the body and search it for clues as to who they were, where they came from, and what they wanted. Right. Difficult to do without having the light right with you. You're not going to be able to search and hold the torch. Lhasa, please come here. Did you find that man who was covered in the armor by chance? Who? Uh, when when we fell before, I there there was a man, was there not? Do I? I could have sworn. I don't see him. I don't know what happened to him. I don't believe he's here. That wasn't a man, Lhasa. 
What do you mean? He. It was an illusion. Have you ever heard of a draconian? Why, well, I, I, I. Yes, I've heard. But they, they couldn't. How, how would they have entered here? I'm afraid I can't answer that. But they are fearsome foes. Huh. But, but, but you should be able to handle them. You're. You're more than capable of you. Right? Not so much anymore, Lhasa. No. I will kneel down to the body and I will search it with Lhasa's torch near. As you're doing that, there's another burst of flame as Tulian Haxos creates another torch. So now you have illumined this entire area. All told, you have about 50 square feet to exist in at this moment. I'm going to be looking around as well, trying to see if I can find anything that's fallen from the theater, anything that could be of use. Probably bumping into Anwir and Lhasa a couple of times. <laughs> okay. What did you roll in your investigation, Anwir? It's a critical fail. I got a, a one for a four. Right, well, he does have an obvious belt pouch inside, which are six steel pieces and nine copper. But other than that, you are not able to tell much. The rocks have and the debris have crushed the body beyond any sort of recognition in terms of being able to learn anything useful. Go ahead and roll a perception check yourself, Teely. Oh, that is a 23. All right. Stepping about lightly, moving amongst the various levels of this crevice. Lightly humming to myself as I go. <laughs> it echoes up through the uh, crevice, bouncing off of the stone on either side. You find a crack in the wall hidden in a shadow that is large enough to step in. I, of course, do so. You take a step and then another step, another step, and you pass out of the light. But the crevice here, this crack, the wall continues. Hmm. I want to keep going, but I want to see what's in there, and I can't see without the light, and I need the light. I just talk to myself in this little crack, probably echoing out. I eventually shuffle myself back out of the, the crack, and... Try and head over to whoever is closest that is carrying one of the torches. It would be Tulian Haxos, who reminds you very much of the soldiers that arrested you. The captain in particular doesn't quite have the same rank insignia, but his armor and the scarf around his neck, it seems that these scarfs are how they determine who is in charge. He has one that is sky blue around his neck though it's very dirty and disheveled, given what has happened recently. He sees you coming and looks at you and puts a hand on Jarvan and pushes him behind him and looks at you sternly as you approach. I reach down and lift up one of the folds of my skirt, undo one of the pouches and, and bring out a small candle, and I raise it up, just say, Could I get a light? Please, sir. Please, sir, light okay. my candle. <laughs> I was going to do that. <laughs> Can I have some more? I raise it up. May I have uh, some, please? 
He looks at you and brings the torch down and uses it to light the candle. Thank you. And I have a big grin on my face as I skip back to the little crack in the wall. Where do you think you're going, young lady? I... I stop on one of my feet. Do somewhat of a 90 degree turn. There's a crack in the wall and I can fit. So, I'm just gonna... You know. I begin kind of sidestepping closer towards the crack. Just gonna go in there and see what's going on. Well, make yourself useful to see if we can go down it. Will do. And with permission, I continue with my skipping. All right, so you skip into this crack, random crack in the stone. Farron, you can see the nimbus of light around her candle fade into blackness. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Dragonlance, Echoes of Kryn, Dragons of the Hidden Flood. If you would like to know more about us, please visit our website at lawfulstupidrpg.com. We also invite you to join us for our live streaming games at twitch.tv lawfulstupidrpg. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Until next time, as Sularus Oath Mithas, farewell. This has been a Lawful Stupid RPG production.